in a series called Drowning in Debt, and um, today is the last day of that series. Uh, I, I, I pray, my, my prayer is that many of you have gained insight and wisdom from the series, and um, you know that uh, the Word of God is like medicine. You know, you got to take it before it do you any good. It can't, it does no good just sitting on the shelf. So, uh, but if you take the Word of God and apply the Word of God to your life, it'll do you some good. It's just like salvation. We're, you know, we're, talking, we're talking about this debt series, but it's just like salvation. Uh, when we talk about Jesus here at this church, we're, we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about church. We're talking about you having a personal relationship with the one true living God. And it changes your life. It will change your life forever. Those of you that are, that are saved and know it, why don't you just say so? All right. All right. All right. I'm going to tell you, the same thing is true about debt. If you take the, the same principles about debt and apply it to your life, uh, you will be set free. You will, it's like Jesus setting the captive free. He not only sets the captives free from bondage, uh, you know, and, and prison and, you know, the spiritual darkness, and he brings us into light, but he sets us free. He can set you free by applying the Word of God to your life, and he can set you free from the bondage of debt. So um, I've got, I want to share a passage of Scripture, and then I've got a, a short video to illustrate that, and then I'll come back and wrap it up uh, with some, uh, we've talked a lot about debt and what the Bible has to say about it. But I want to just give you some, some principles on how to get out, okay? And if you listen to this, it will, cha it will radically change your life. Join me for just a moment as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your word says that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And Father, this morning we are diligently, we come wholehearted uh, after you. God, we're not worried about what's happening after the service or football games, even though football is over. God, uh, we're just uh, asking you to just, just, just that you would just uh, uh, give our hearts wholeheartedly to you this morning. God, that you would just uh, uh, anoint our ears to hear and give us an understanding heart. And Father, give us that uh, that spirit of tenacity, God, that we're going to grab a hold of your word and we are going to be like Jacob. We are going to wrestle with you and wrestle with your word like Jacob wrestled with that angel. And we are not going to let go until you say, bless me, bless me. That's what Jacob said. I want to be blessed by you. And you know what the angel said? Amen and okay. All right. All right. That's not really what he said, but that's what he meant. <laughs> That was a paraphrase. That was the best of paraphrase there. Okay, so um, let me back up and just cover a couple of things. We started in Nehemiah chapter 5, which is probably one of the best places to start if you're just interested in, you know, learning a little bit about debt. Because Nehemiah came down from Babylon, and he came, he, he was so concerned about the work of God. And God had put a burden on his heart for the walls of Jerusalem. And he actually broke down and started crying when, you know, he was told that the gates had been torn or the gates had been burned and the walls had been torn down. And his heart was broken over this work of God. And, you know, the same can apply to you and I today. We're not looking at the temple of God. We're not looking at a building. But is there something that your heart broken over? Is there something that you see that shouldn't be that you have a burden for, for the, for the work of the Lord? And so uh, Nehemiah comes down. He tells the people why he's there. And as he gets there, he realizes that you know, the work was being 
held back. It was difficult to do the work. Why? Because the people were in debt. Uh, they barely had enough money to, to eat. They had to sell their children into slavery to get money just so that they could live. Um, they had uh, taxes that they couldn't pay. Um, you know, they were just like, they were being strangled by the stronghold. High interest rates and, you know, their creditors were demanding payment. And it was just like, you know, it's just like they had no place to turn except they turned to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah says, this is what you need to do. They couldn't do the work of God because they were drowning in debt. And so um, I want to just pick up, having said that, that's kind of where we started the series. If you missed any of these, you can go online um, and you know, everything is recorded. You can listen to it again. In fact, at the end of this series this morning, when we talk about these principles and how you want to get out of debt, you can either uh, go online or I'll print some copies of it and have it available to you uh, for next week. And so this is Jesus speaking. And he's talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says that this is uh, from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He called his servants and entrusted whose wealth was it? Was it their wealth? It, no, it was his wealth. He entrusted his wealth to his servants. And he gave one five bags of gold, and to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag of gold, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had received the five bags of gold, let me just say, let me just set this up. If you don't know, if you don't know the story, you don't know the Bible, Jesus is actually talking about himself. He's talking about giving men and women in the church, people that love him, talents. And he says, I'm going away. You remember he told the disciples, I'm going away. And they were all sad and brokenhearted. But he says, in, in John chapter 14, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And so uh, he, he's telling the story, just like he is going away. And he says, uh, then he went on his journey. And the man that had received the five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received the one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had, returned, the man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man that had the two bags of gold also came. And master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice that he says the same thing to both servants. One gained no matter how much he gained, one gained five bags and the other gained two more bags. But he says the same thing to both of them. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. You have been faithful. Listen to this. With a few things. Now, you've got to ask yourself your question, this question at this time. Are you being faithful with the few things or the little things that God has given you? He says, you have been faithful with a few things. He says that God... Uh, will make you master 
over greater things or more things. And so then the man who had received the one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I know you. I knew you. I knew that you were a hard man, uh, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is. What, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy, wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one that has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But whosoever does uh, not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the Lord, let me just read this. Uh, this is from Luke. We're just talking about faithfulness. And then we're going to get ready to cue up that video, guys. And we're going to dim our house lights also after I read the scripture. This is from Luke chapter 12. It says, and the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? Steward and master is the same thing. Who is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make him ruler over his household and give them portion or give them their portion of food in due season? I want to watch, this is another one of the Dave Ramsey uh, videos. If you've missed any of these or you'd like to watch more of them, they're on YouTube. Just punch in Dave Ramsey and a thousand of these things will come up, I promise you. But we're going to start at uh, 50 seconds on that uh, video, and we're going to stop at 8.30. guys ready? All right. Turn out the lights and turn up the volume. Thank you. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I want to talk today a little bit about what I call one of the biggest misunderstandings or the number one myth about money that's out there. We have this tremendous idea about this particular subject, we as finite human beings, and if we don't crush this wrong idea that we have and do away with this myth, we never blossom and grow into what we're supposed to grow into. I need to get two folks to come up here and help me for just a minute, just to kind of lay this thing out so you'll see it. Can I get you two men to come up here and join me for just a minute, please? Thanks. I promise I'm not going to mess with you or make fun of you or not too much or anything like that and uh, so forth. Just, just one of you stand right here and one of you stand right here. And I'm Dave. Brian. Brian, good to meet you. Lee. Lee, good to meet you. Okay, just stand right there and face the audience. And uh, Again, I'm not going to walk around behind you and make funny signs or bunny ears or anything like that. But okay, Brian, here's what we're going to do. This is $1,000. It is 10 $100 bills. This is my most expensive visual aid. My wife says I can come home, but not without the visual aid. <laughs> Got the picture, yeah. okay? All right, I need you to hold that for a second. Okay, now Brian is going to... <laughs> you got to watch him. Brian is going to represent for a few minutes you and me, okay? And Lee here, dressed the way he is, is going to represent our local banker. Just, I'm... <laughs> 
I'm not picking on your dress. It just doesn't look particularly banking, which is I probably should have used this guy for the banker, but that's okay. It's, you know, bankers aren't doing as good these days. We'll let him, you know, be the banker. Okay, now. <laughs> no, I mean, you're cool. It's just not real banking-esque. Okay, now, probably costs more than a banker's suit, you know, with all the listeners. But, okay, so Lee is going to represent our local bank. Now, Brian, are you married, sir? I am. Okay, is your wife here by chance? Okay, she's not here. But, well, Brian, how long have you been married? Uh, five years. Five years. Okay, Brian's been married long enough, like I have, that guys start to understand there are some things we don't get, but it doesn't matter. We still got to do what we're supposed to do. We don't always know what it is. It's a mystery. But, but one of those things, for instance, is Brian's wife comes in one morning. They've worked really hard, and they've finally gotten home with $1,000 and have saved up that money. And now they've saved up the money, and they're going to open a bank account and put the money in savings in Lee's bank. Now, open the bank account. All right. <laughs> a joyful banker. Good. Now, all right, so now, now Lee's, you know, we've made a deposit into Lee's bank, and, and he's watching over, look, he's watching over Brian's money. Now, Brian's wife comes in one morning and says, honey, I have decided that we need a china cabinet. Now guys, men don't understand china that we never eat on. And we really do not understand a $2,000 cabinet to put it in. It just does not compute in the guy brain. But if you've been married a little while, it, you know it doesn't matter. She wants a china cabinet, Papa gets a china cabinet. This is how it does. So Brian goes down to the bank to get the money out of the bank. Not yet, not yet. Be calm. He goes down to get the money out of the bank, and he comes in, and he walks up to the teller, and the teller says, she gets this deer in the headlights look, kind of white, and blood drains from her face, and she says, oh, no, Lee wants to see you in his office. You're that Brian. And so he goes in Lee's office, hey, Lee, what's going on? And, and Lee would never really do this, so don't you guys make fun of him later. It's just an example. He was nice enough to come up here. But, but they come into Lee's office, and, 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 and Lee kind of gets that same look in his face. He says, Brian, I need you to sit down. He said, I've, I've got some bad news. He said, I, I work here at the bank. We don't make a lot of money at the bank. And, and, and we needed to go on a cruise. I, I needed a new car. And, and my kids needed to go to college. And I didn't have the money. And so I, I took your money and I used it to buy some stuff for me. Is that okay? Now, this is you and me. Remember, Brian represents you and me. He just took your money. Now, he would never really do this, but it's a good example. And, and so, I mean, Brian kind of looks around, thinks there's a joke. Somebody at the church is playing a joke on him. He's looking for the camera where they're going to play it back during service later, you know, or something. And, and, but in a minute, he starts to realize this guy has stolen his $1,000. He's misused the trust. Because, see, when you make a deposit into a bank, in legal terms, what a lawyer would tell you is you have just placed in that bank a fiduciary trust responsibility. That bank is not, it's not that bank's money. They're holding the money for you. Then they misused it for their own good. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm from Tennessee. We would have what I call a duck fit. I mean, I'd lose my religion in about a minute and a half. I want my money. Anybody else with me? Yeah. I want my money. Took my money. Well, let's change their names just for a second. Instead of this position representing you and I, 
in this position representing a bank, let's tell you the way it really is out there. The way it really is is this position really represents God. And this position really represents you and I. You see, he placed in our hands resources, money, stuff, time, talents, and we, they're not ours. He owns it. God owns it all. The psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns it all. We don't own squat. You don't own anything. Your little mutual funds, your 401k that now looks like a 201k. It's not yours. Quit worrying about it. That car, my car. It's not your car. Even those kids aren't yours. I told mine, if they don't straighten up, we're going to send them on ahead. (laughs) It's not yours. You and I are just managers. We have a fiduciary trust responsibility with the owner to do with his stuff as he tells us to do with his stuff. I have 250 people that work for me on my team at my company. I have 14 different profit centers, vice presidents running those profit centers. Each one of those have profit and loss responsibility. You know what they do with money? What I want them to. Or you don't get to work there anymore because I own the company. You're going to do it by Dave's instructions. Am I intimidating? Uh Uh-huh. You're going to do it this way. This is the way to do it. Now, you can argue with me, but at the end of the day, what we all decide we're going to do, you better be doing that. This isn't yours to goof off with. It's not yours. You don't own it. You're managing it for me. I'm the owner. We are managing it for God. He is the owner right here. Give these guys a round of applause. Good job, guys. Thank you very much. I like the expression, I need it. I need it. Uh, how many of us are like uh, uh, you know, the one guy that God gives us everything, and we do whatever, whatever we want to do with it, and we never think about God, never think that he is placed. And it really kind of gives you know, more light to the parable that we just read. You know, there were, there were two guys that were faithful. God gave the one guy five bags of gold, and he went out and used it and got five more bags of gold. And, and the Lord said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. The other guy has the two bags of gold. He does uh, the investment. He comes back with two more bags of gold, gives it back to the, to the master, to the Lord. And the Lord says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And the other guy just basically is like, you know, I didn't listen to God at all. I just did with it what I wanted to do, and I felt like in his case, best thing to do, the safest thing to do was to bury it, to hide it, and not do anything with it. And I'm going to just say that to us as a gen- generally as a, a, uh, as a congregation, as a church. I know that many of you here are involved in ministry. Many of you are here that are here today are faithful, very faithful to God in your ministry and your, your, your time. We talk about, you know, one of the acronyms in, in uh the uh, word light that we use, the light, uh, L-I-G-H-T, and, you know, loving the Lord. But the second one, the I, is for investing your time and your talent and your treasure. And so we take in the treasure that God has given us. And I want to just tell you just a good way to look at that. When you get your check at the end of the week, you look at that check and say, 
you know, God has placed this into my hands, just like, you know, we, the, the guy made the, uh, the investment or deposit into the bank, gave it to the bank, and the bank had that fiduciary responsibility to watch over the money. So when God gives us a check, you need to look at it and say, 90% of this is mine, and the other 10% is God's, and I'm going to give it to him. All right. So let me just uh, run through some more stats with you. I, I know I did this uh, last week and a couple of weeks after that or before that, but it says that the average American is addicted to spending. Uh, Business Weekly says the total household debt in the United States was more than 100% of our disposable annual income last year. Next, the total consumer debt is $1.7 trillion. Now, I want you to get an idea of this. If you can visualize a trillion dollars, it is a stack, get this, a stack, not end on end, but flat on flat, placed on, one top, on top of each other. Uh, it says these are $1,000 bills. Anybody want to take a guess? 67 miles high. All right, $1,000 bills, 67 miles high equals a trillion dollars. And the total consumer debt in this country is $1.7 trillion, almost, you know, double that, hundred and what would that be, 134 if it was double. It would be almost uh, uh, 100 and, or excuse me, uh, $3, three, $3 trillion, just a little less than $3 trillion. Personal credit card debt carried on by the average American is $8,000. That's what the average family owes on their credit cards is $8,500. Uh, the average consumer carries eight cards, and 20% of the cards are maxed out. There were 1.3 million credit cards holders that declared bankruptcy last year. Bankruptcies have exceeded a million per, every, per year for every year for the last seven years in a row now. And the IRS tells us that 85% of those reaching the age of 65 do not have $200 in the bank. Now, that's scary. The average person that retires at the age of, of 65 doesn't have $200 in the bank. You know what? You know, as a pastor, we used to have, when my brother-in-law was here, we had what we called a Marian pastor and a Burian pastor. And he would do the weddings, and I would do the funerals. You know what? Many times people would call up and say they, someone in their family died, but they don't have the money to pay for a funeral. That's sad. That is sad. You worked all your life and don't even have enough money to pay for your funeral. And more and more people are spending more than they make each month, and it's a dangerous trend. The Bible says that God doesn't want us to be that way, that God wants you and I, he's not, and I'm not, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. God does not want you to be in debt. And if you're in debt, it means, this is pro the primary reason, you are spending more than you're making. That you're not able to pay your debt off. So uh, here's how you get out of debt. The first thing you got to do is you've got to change. You know, the reason that we have credit cards and spend the way that we do, it's because everyone else in the world, everyone that we know is doing the same thing. We're living like the world. But the Bible says that, uh, you know, that uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You've got to start, start, or start changing the way that you're thinking about debt and running up debt. 
and getting in debt. You've got, got to stop the way that, you, that you've been thinking about that. And let me just say that the second, re, the second thing I want to point out, that debt is not a symptom. Debt is a problem. It's the root of the problem. Material, materialism, seeking happiness through the accumulation of material things. In his book, John Ortberg writes this book called Dangers, Toils, and Snares. Now listen to this. He says, and it makes a lot of sense when you listen to this. He says, we take our children to the shrine of the golden arches. He's talking about McDonald's. They always lust for the meal that comes with the cheapest little prize, a combination christened in a moment of marketing genius, the happy meal. So you're not just buying fries and McNuggets. You're buying toys. You're buying happiness. And their advertising has convinced my children that they have a little McDonald's-shaped vacuum in their soul. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in a Happy Meal. I try to buy off the kids sometimes, and I tell them to order only food, and I'll give them a quarter to buy a little toy on their own. But their cry goes up, I want a Happy Meal. All over the restaurant, people crane their necks to look at the tight-fisted, penny-pitching cheap steak of a parent who, wouldn't, who would deny a, chi- a child a Happy Meal, a meal of joy. The problem with Happy Meals is that the happiness never wears off, or it, the happiness does wear off, and then they need a new fix. No child discovers lasting happiness in just one. Remember that happiness? What great joy I found. Happy Meals bring happiness only to McDonald's. There, if you've ever wondered why Ronald McDonald wears that grin, it's 20 billion Happy Meals. That's why. When you get older, you don't get any smarter. You just buy Happy Meals that get more expensive. Uh, in his book, uh, John uh, Ortberger's uh, Dangerous Toils and Snare, Resisting the Hidden Temptation, there is a lie that Satan uses over and over to lure people away from the life that God desires for them. It's the Happy Meal lie. Buy this and you will be happy. Get rich and your problems will disappear. It's what... Uh, It's the lie that materialism will fill the empty place inside. What does the Bible have to say about happiness? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 9, it says, Those that want to get rich. Now notice that there's nothing wrong with having wealth. Some of the greatest men in the Bible were wealthy men. David, uh, you know, well, let's start further back. Abraham was one of the richest men of his time. David was one of the richest men of his time. Solomon was one of the richest men of his time. They were all godly men. But, you know, they found that money was a a great servant to them. But you cannot be a slave to it. It makes a great great servant. It's good to use. Jesus says, uh, or the word says in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 9, again, those that want to get rich fall into the temptation and trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now notice that, that, that when your heart goes after wealth, when, you're, when, you, when you're, you just cast God aside and everybody else, I mean, you don't mind who you step on, how, you, you know, how many people you hurt, whose lives you affect or bring harm to, your goal is to get rich. And when you, when you fall into that category, it becomes a trap and into which many foolish and harmful desires come that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money itself, 
Notice what the scripture says. This, this is probably one of the most often misquoted scriptures I've ever heard. Uh, money is the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. In fact, remember we talked last, uh, last week, we said 500 times there was uh, talk about Jesus quoted uh, scriptures on prayer. 500 times Jesus talked about scriptures on faith. There are more scriptures talked about money. There were over 2,000 scriptures that talked about money and wealth and possession than, than heaven and hell. Twice as many uh, uh, verses on money and wealth and possessions as heaven and hell. Twice as many. He says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Listen, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Did you catch that? The love of money causes people to wander from the truth and actually pierce themselves. It's, what he's saying is their own fault. They did it on their own. Again, Jesus says this in, from Luke chapter 12. And he starts out, and I, and I could just hear him saying, this is like you know, speaking to a crowd of people. And, you know, it's two words. He says, watch out. I don't think he said, now watch out, children. Watch out, my little children. Watch out, my little sheep. You know what I think he said? I think he said, watch out. Watch out. Because this thing is after you. And this is going to get you. It's like a snare. It's like a trap that you're getting ready to walk into. Watch out. Be on your guard. Notice who it's on. It's not on him. It's on you. You watch out. You be on guard against all kinds of greed because this life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. And he told them the parable. A ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I made so much. My harvest was so great this year that my barn is not even big enough to put it in. And so I'm, I'm, this is all mine. So I just need a bigger barn. That's going to solve the problem. See, when you have a mindset like that, you never think about giving. You never think about, you know, uh, in the, I think it's in the book of Ephesians that said, let those that steal, steal no more. Rather, let them work with their hands. Let them labor with their hands and give to those that have need. Now, the Bible tells us that pure religion is this, is to look out for the widows and the orphans. That's what pure religion is, to look out for them. Well, let me tell you why. You can't look out for them when you're broke. You can't look out for them when you're poor. You know, Margaret Thatcher said that the Good Samaritan would never be remembered. You wouldn't even know who he is. We wouldn't know who he is today unless he has some coin in his pocket. That's the only reason that he was remembered. And that he was willing to take that coin and share it and give it to the innkeeper and said, Take care of this man. Take care of my brother till I get back. And if you spend any more than this when I get back, I will repay you. That's the kind of, that's the kind of heart that God wants you and I to have. Amen? amen? All right. I got three amens out of that. All right. Let's keep going. This is, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barn. I'm going to build a bigger one. And there I will store my surplus and my grain. And, my grain. and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of of, of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Forget about God. 
This is your life. You just live life the way you want to live. He says, but God said to him, you fool. You fool. That's a foolish way to think. If you're saving up for retirement and thinking that you're just going to live life on your own, you're going to buy that RV and travel the world, you're going to take a lot of vacations and do life the way that you want to do it. But God said to this man, you fool, this very night, it's over. It's done. Your life is over this very night. And it says, God, this, this night your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it would be or will be for those who store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. See, I'm not, let me just make this clear, guys. There's nothing wrong with having things. Nothing wrong with having a nice house. Nothing wrong with having a nice car. Nothing wrong with owning, having possessions. It's just when it's the other way around. It's when your possessions own you, okay? When that car owns you or when that house owns you or your business owns you and, and you're, you're living for, for that kind of life, that's when it becomes a problem. He says, watch out, take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. So, Jesus says that our lives are not defined by what we have or what we own. It's not, it's not you know, uh, when we spend, it's, uh, you know, and, and, and when we spend and spend and spend and we're getting ourselves into debt uh, to have more things, what do you think that says about us? When you fall in the trap of materialism, I've done this before and I bet you have too. I bet, how many of you have walked into the store and actually bought something that you didn't intend to buy when you went in. I mean, it happens to all of us. It's just jumping off the shelf saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. I'm half price today. It happens to all of us. But you know what? It's not, it doesn't just happen to the rich. It says even when those that don't have much fall into the trap, believing that, that a little bit more will bring them happiness. Their materialistic urges are simply fulfilled at Walmart rather than Tom Ford. You know what a visit to Tom Ford, the average visit to Tom Ford, by the way, he's kind of my neighbor, lives about 10 miles down the street from us, or has a, I don't want to say he lives there, he has a ranch there. The average visit to his store in New York costs you $1,797. That's what the average person spends when they walk out of that store. The average visit to Alexander McQueen, this is also in New York, costs the average consumer $1,847, just walking in and walking out. The average visit to Chloe's in New York is $1,673 per visit. And Marissa's collection in Florida is $1,600 a visit. You guys recognize any of the names of those stores? You don't? Anybody? Oh, I would say stay out, stay out of them, stay out of them, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding you. It's okay to recognize them. You just don't have to shop there. Uh, look, let me just say this, that money and possessions, it's, it's not going to buy you happiness. It's not going to buy you happiness at all. Jesus said that you were made for abundant life. And I want to tell you that abundant life 
is not like the Happy Meal. The Happy Meal wears off, and the next day you got to take the kid back to McDonald's and get another one. But abundant life doesn't wear off. I mean, it's here. It's like I don't care what's going on. I don't, you know, I, I don't care. Yeah, I've got some debt today. I'm working on it. I'm going to get out of debt. I got some problems today. I got some problems in my relationship. I got some problems in my marriage. I got some problems with my kids. I got some problems here at, at work. But I want to tell you that abundant life doesn't wear off. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I've got some problems in these areas, but you, God, are bigger than my problems, and you're going to deal with them today. I'm giving them to you. All right. God made us for abundant life. Number three, those that want to be from, uh, free from debt. Um, if you, Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 5, it says, keep yourselves. You know, if you want to be free from debt, you've got to replace materialism with uh, godly contentment. You just, got to have, you just got to be at peace with God and content with where you are and what you have right now. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep yourselves free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, listen to this, I don't care what you're going through, I don't care what kind of problems that you're having right now, he says that I will never leave you or forsake you. And God's going to be there when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to know that God is right there with you. David said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I know that you're there, God. You lead me into green pastures. You cause me to lay down beside still waters. You know, you you lead me in these places. God, I know your presence. I know your presence is with me. And no matter what mountain I face, no matter what giant I face today, God, you are with me. And you are not going to, he said, I'm not going to forsake you. That means I'm not going to abandon you. It means that I'm not going to like, man, man, you got problems that God can't even handle. I'm leaving. You know, you're on your own on this one. No, he says, I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you, that I'll always be with you. And he will be. Okay. All right, let me just read a couple more scriptures, and we'll wrap it up. Our worship team's getting ready to come back up here. We're going to close with the song. But he says, put to death. Notice this. Whose responsibility is it? Now, let me just let me read that, that uh, the scripture we read just before. Keep your lives. You. He says, you keep your lives free from the love of money. Whose responsibility is it? Is that God's responsibility? No, he says, you keep, your li- you keep yourselves free from the love of money. And here's the same thing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever things belong to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Notice that, that lust and evil desires and greed is like, I got to have it, I got to have it, I got to have it, got to have it. I need it, I need it, I need it. He says, you put to death. Let me just give you a test. Let me, let me just, here's one thing that I, I just encourage every one of you in this room to do this to, uh, this week. I want you to leave your wallet at home, your credit card at home, and your money at home, and go walk through the mall, okay? And see how easy it is not to buy anything. (laughs) And if you happen to run into that person and they ask to borrow $50, just say, no, no, I'm helping you. I'm saying no to you. All right, you put to death. Jesus is very clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. 
you cannot serve both God and money. Now, we started the series out with a, a scripture from Proverbs 22, verse 7. Anybody remember that scripture? Anybody, anybody remember that scripture? Proverbs 22, verse 7. Don't cheat on me. I'll be looking that thing up. All right. We're, we're going we're to know this thing before we leave here today. It says, the rich, got it up there? Go ahead. The rich, let's say it together. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Okay? Proverbs 22, 7. They say if you say this three times, you'll remember it. Okay, let's do it again. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Proverbs 22, 7. Again, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Are you just, a, you just tra uh, change that word lender right there to master. And Jesus is saying, no man can serve two masters. And when you're in debt, you are a slave and you're responsible to a master. That's why they call it master card. Okay, I don't, I don't know who thought that out, but they weren't thinking. They weren't scripturally thinking anyway. All right. All right. All right, let me just, I'm going to go through these, these steps quickly. And if, you, uh, if, you're, if you're not getting, getting them, uh, I'll have a copy for you next week if you need to pick up a copy. Um, or you can just go to the Internet and th these are steps for getting out of debt. Number one, stop spending more than you have. Number two, cancel your credit and debit cards. Number three, leave the checkbook at home. Number four, use cash only. Did you notice that? Sometimes when you have to pay cash, you know, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you become, you know, become, do I have any money this morning? <laughs> yeah, I got some money. You know, you get, you, get, you get to be friends with, you know, we'll say Uncle Ben, for example. You know, you, know, you get to be friends with Uncle Ben. And he becomes part of the family. Okay? And, you know, when you have to spend Uncle Ben, you know, it's like, man, I, I, I like you more in my pocket Honestly, I like you, and, and, and when you have to turn loose, it's like Dave Ramsey says, Uncle Ben, I'm sorry. I might have to put you out for adoption. i got to put you out for adoption like family to me. You know what? You know, when you're using cash, uh, you know, it's harder, you know, it's just, you know, it's harder to pay th for things with cash. It's so easy. Just put it on the credit card. I'll worry about, I'll worry about that next month. I've got 30 days before this bill comes due, and I'll worry about it next month. Number five, reduce your monthly commitments. Um, things that are not necessary. You don't have to have Internet. You don't have to have a cell phone. I know that many of you think that you would die and go to hell if you don't have a cell phone. Uh, cancel magazine subscriptions. Those aren't necessary. Ditch the expensive car, number six, uh, with the uh, oppressive payment, and get a quality used car. Pay off debt systematically. Pay off your highest interest credit card first. Don't put money in a savings account when you're in debt. Get out of debt first. Sell unnecessary household items for cash and pay down debt. Be creative in finding uh, sources of extra income. There was a guy that used to attend church here. He's moved away since, but I totally admired the guy. You know, I mean, he told me that he had taken on, come home from work, 
at 5 o'clock in the afternoon at about 6 or 7. He would go and work for about four hours at all subs. He said, I ran up some credit card debt that I shouldn't have done, and now I'm having to pay for it. I've taken on an extra job, and I honor the guy for that. I've taken on an extra job so I can get rid of that, that financial debt. Um, once uh, the debt is paid off, Use the money for savings. And once the debt is paid, lump those payments in with other payments until all the debts are retired and then start saving money. The Bible says that a good man, and I, know, I believe we've got a lot of good men in here today, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I want to just encourage you that, you know, that, some of you are thinking, Ron, oh, man, you just don't understand my situation. I'm in an impossible situation. I, there is, the Bible says, nothing. Say it with me. With, let's, let's start at the beginning. With God, nothing is impossible. That includes your debt, okay? God wants to get you out of debt. Let's look at this last scripture because I know that a lot of you just don't believe this. You know, I'm just poor and just miserable because that's the way God wants me to be. And I'm just going to be in poverty because that's, that's the way God wants me to be. Listen to what the Word of God says. I'm not making this up, okay? Psalms 35, verse 27. Write it down. Make it a refrigerator verse, okay? And eat a lot. Go to their refrigerator a lot. Look, look at the thing. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That, do you understand that? Are you getting that? That's what God wants you to have. He wants you to be out of debt. He wants you to have enough to live and enough to give. Okay? God bless you guys.